You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Talk Recorded live. Hello and welcome. Good evening. This is Brooke Bolt, your host, and the assistant writer to Ken Vernon, the inspired author of the ebook and the published book Revelation of Revelation, a total fraud. What you're about to hear again on this episode of Revelation of a Revelation has never been revealed before now in audio format. It will be an open type program this evening. So we invite you to listen in now as we introduce the program topic on this one-of-a-kind program where you must remember it is the Scripture that speaks the truth through the in-depth Scripture studies of Ken Vernon. We invite you to the website, revelationofrevelation.com, and to the blog. Be sure to tune us in on each episode. Should you miss one, that is not a problem. You can always go to the archived versions and listen to the very first one and all the versions and the episodes that we've had on Revelation of Revelation. So convenient on the talk shoe format. And now, good evening, Ken. Good evening, Brooke. Good evening, everyone. We thank you for joining us tonight. I don't know if we have anybody on the phone. If we don't... Perhaps we have others on the computer, and that's very good also. But we welcome everyone, and as Brooke mentioned, you can always go to our website, and there's a host of articles there that you can always read. If you ever have any questions, you can reach us. Just go to contact and send us all your questions, and we will be more than happy to email you your answers, or in some cases, if your question uh, requires a a little bit more elaborate work, we will actually publish it for you right there at the website so that you can not only view it yourself, you can have your friends go to the uh, website and read it for themselves. Last week, we started with baptism, which could have been a single broadcast because there isn't a great deal to talk about baptism. But I chose instead to bring some scriptures from the book of Acts that shows how misguided people are today, especially within the Christian community. And I'm not putting down a Christian community. I'm simply stating what I have lived as a child, 
I can remember uh, getting married, and when my first daughter was born, uh, after a few weeks in the old tradition that we've grown up with, we were in the uh, Methodist church, uh, we were supposed to baptize my daughter. And my wife said, well, we have to get ready for the christening. And believe it or not, I said to her, it's not going to happen. <laughs> now, to that to that response, there might be those who would become very offended by that. Because the traditions teaches us, if you're a Christian, when a child is born, at some point in its infancy, I think it used to be six weeks, I'm not sure that I'm correct, but I know it was, while you are an infant, you must be baptized so that you can be welcomed into the kingdom of heaven. I have heard that, I don't know, I countless number of times over the years, and I have always ignored it. Because I remember my scriptures from my earliest years in the Methodist Church, Methodist uh, grade school and high school, I remember a scripture that said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the remission of sins. I always question infant baptism as I studied that scripture. And I, as a youngster, of course, I, I had no reason to not baptize or baptize anyone. But once I became an adult and I had my own children, now I said, okay, I'm going to come full boat like a battleship at this custom of baptizing infants because the scripture does not support it. Neither does it drop a hint anywhere. Last week in our program, I shared with everyone Acts chapter 10, and if you want to go deeper into this business of baptism and infant baptism, you will see that uh, the apostle called Peter, by the English translators of the Bible, actually delivered a message to Cornelius, an Italian, who was an, a centurion in a Roman army, he delivered a sermon, and believe it or not, Cornelius and his entire family and all the people who were gathered in that room became convinced of the gospel message, and as promised, the scripture says, and those who believe these signs shall follow them. And the people began to speak in tongues. By tongues, I mean, or the Bible means, another language. So obviously there was, they were gathered within Cornelius's uh, place at that time, people who were not always, or people who just didn't understand Peter's uh, Aramaic, which he spoke at the time, or I doubt he used any Greek, but in any event, the people who heard the message, some of them began to speak in tongues. 
which was evidence that was brought forward or borne out by the fact that the scriptures tell us that hearing comes by faith, and that faith comes by the hearing of the word. So precisely what happened on that day when Cornelius and those people received the Holy Spirit, it was simply because they believed the message. Peter, not being aware of what was happening, insisted on going forward with baptizing those people anyway. In any event, my point here is this. It isn't always a convenient thing to do when someone responds in that manner, to find a place to baptize them. We today who live in these modern conveniences, we we don't seem to understand that in that day, 1900 plus years ago, you had to either live near the water or go to a great effort to be baptized. So the people who were hearing a message as the apostles went about their business somehow were able to find water in order for adults to be baptized. Little streams probably, uh, the River Jordan maybe, or the Mediterranean Sea. In any event, I'm sure they practiced that to one degree or another. So getting back to what I was saying about my experience, experience, I realized back then had to be 1966. That's right. My daughter, my firstborn, will be 50 years old in September of this year. So I remember, and it's interesting that baptism should become a topic of this time, but I remember saying, no, that's not going to happen. My wife said, yes, it is. I said, well, you're on your own. Go right ahead. Oh, she was mad. Of course she wouldn't, because that's the tradition. That's what she has always seen. Ever since she was a child, she saw the younger siblings get baptized as infants. We come from families that are fairly large, so it's nothing unusual for the older children to see baptism of infants practice as we grew up. In any event, she went about the business of uh, the usual, you have to go and get a godfather and a godmother and get this one and get that one. And they went about the business of finding the minister and they did their baptism thing. I said, I am not going to do it. I have no biblical foundation whatsoever to go ahead with a process called christening of an infant. Messiah told his, his, the apostles, he said, go into all the world, preach the good news, and these signs will follow those who believe. He made no mention of any little children Little children cannot hear that word. Little children cannot learn any of that. Little children, bottom line, have nothing, absolutely nothing to repent of. They don't have a clue what sin could possibly be. So anyway, the 
the message to the disciples as they went was to perform the baptism. And the spine, the major thing that would come out of this was the people who believed that message and were baptized would receive the Holy Spirit. In receiving the Holy Spirit, they would also, that Holy Spirit actually, would manifest itself within those believers in several different ways. One of them is the gift of healing, gift of knowledge, gift of a various number of, uh, you can read them in First Corinthians, you can read them in uh, Ephesians. The bottom line is that they would receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now comes the problem. Those men who were given that specific command to go into the world and preach the good news, baptizing people and observing the manifestation of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, are all dead. There are no instructions to pass on the apostleship within the congregation from one generation to the other. So that here is the crucial thing. All the people who were commanded to baptize, who were given power to baptize, died more than 1,900 years ago. Those people are no longer here. So anyone who baptizes anyone today indulge in a futile effort, a totally wasted opportunity for performing what dead men were told to perform many years ago, centuries ago. The people today within or various churches do not have any power to baptize anyone. Here's another strange thing that many would not believe unless they were to go to their Bibles and read it for themselves. The Apostle Paul, if you will, was not sent to baptize anyone. That's right. You can read that in your Bible. The Apostle Paul was not sent to baptize anyone. He had a message of the kingdom of heaven, the end of the law of Moses, and the system of faith that was brought by the Messiah. So here we have, in that day, people within the congregation in in uh, Corinth that uh, the Apostle Paul had to remind them that he wasn't sent to baptize anyone, and he reminded them that he didn't baptize anyone. See, there was some contention about who was more influential or who was more powerful within the church, within the the various congregations, whether it was Peter or it was Paul. The bottom line is that that was the one apostle who was never given that command. He was never instructed, you will not hear any church tell you that. But it's right there in your Bible for you to read, look up baptisms, go to your concordance, And you will find it written there in bold print. The reason I'm going into all this today, finishing up this program that we started last last, uh, couple of weeks ago, was to make everyone aware 
of the false teachings that exist within our churches today. The program that you have tuned to, the Revelation of Revelation, it was designed to do just that. We brought everyone the book of Revelation, showing them, proving from scriptures that the book of Revelation is a false document. It is a totally fraudulent document. It was never scripture. It could never be scripture because what it does, it says the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him. And if you go back to John chapter 1 and read it carefully, not the entire chapter, simply beginning in verse 1, it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. So the Gospel of John teaches us that there are two God beings, if you will, according to the English translators of the Bible, and it says the revelation of God, which God gave to God. Sadly, those people who wrote the book of Revelation did not take the time out to read the scriptures. Had they gone to Isaiah 46, even if they didn't read the Gospel of John, they would discover that the one they call Jesus Christ, the Lord, is the one who said, who actually is the creator, and also made known to the uh, prophet Isaiah, he said, I determined the end from the beginning. So he, having determined the end from the beginning, it is obvious then, if someone writes that the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him, it's, a, it's such a twist. It's such a convolution because the one that they're calling Jesus Christ is the one who, as you read in the Gospel of John, in the first chapter, is the one who was made flesh and lived among his parents. And he told the prophet Isaiah that he determined the end from the beginning. So how come the other God at this point would be actually saying to him, here are things that are shortly to come. Reveal things that were shortly to come. One God to the other. Nonsense. In any event, let me not go too far. Revelation is one of my favorite books, especially since I discovered that it was a fraudulent book, and I simply had to share it with everyone. The scriptures actually tell us to share it with everyone, and we have done that just that by actually publishing a soft cover version and we have an ebook version of it also in, available from the internet. Back to baptism and what is practiced today in all the churches. And absolutely no one, no one is aware that baptisms today is a totally false doctrine. It is not for any group today, it's not for any church today it's not it does not belong in the doctrines of the bible let me share something else about baptism with you baptism if the people who are 
indulging in it, were successful when they baptized an adult, doesn't it follow that the same thing would happen which happened to the apostles when they baptized people? People will receive the Holy Spirit and a manifestation will come forward. They will be able to cast out demons. They will be able to lay hands upon the sick. You don't find it in any churches today. Consider this. If there were people who were able to baptize you and you would receive that Holy Spirit, consider the number of gifted human beings that would be on this planet, especially the people with the gift of healing and the people who can cast out demons. People would be knocking down their doors just to come to them, just to be healed. We would get rid of hospitals. We, we would very easily get rid of insurance companies. We would get rid of doctors. We would get rid of so much madness. No one would believe it. Simply if the Holy Spirit was available today to people who are baptized. It is not. The Holy Spirit is available today to those who believe. It is a faith-based system. As the Apostle Paul reminded the church in Galatia, that they were held, the church, the Hebrew peoples were held prisoners by the law until faith should come. Now that faith has come, he says, we are no longer under the law. And then comes that famous statement that confuses many when it says that Messiah is the end of the law for all those who believe. That one has garnered, believe it or not, many, many commentaries about the end of the law. Simply because, once again, the scriptures are not followed. People don't believe what they read or do not read what they should read. The scriptures clearly tell us that on, from Moses, from Adam to Moses, there was no law. And that is a strange thing to come to most people's hearing, that there was no law. Sin was in the world, the scripture says, but not counted as such because there was no law. It's like the traffic lights in the highway or in the uh, streets or the stop signs. If there's no stop sign at that corner, you cannot be charged with violating any law by not stopping. It is a simple thing. Millions of people all over this world, in other countries, even in some third world countries. I have seen people, as a matter of fact, all the way in South America, you would not believe how few traffic lights they have. And the incredible width of the streets where these automobiles go flying. And there are very few accidents. It's one of the most incredible things to behold. The people who drive seemingly with reckless abandon do not get into any accidents because people understand that some roads have the right of way and others must wait. They don't. Anyway, my reason for getting into all of that with you about baptism is to remind you that when you see something written in the scriptures, it does not mean 
that you are at liberty to take that scripture and apply it to your life or to anybody else's life. You must look at the specific instructions in the Bible and to whom they were given. The scriptures that tell us, as Messiah did, he said to the people who believed in him, he says, continue in my word and you shall know the truth. And that's what we do from this program. That's what we have done regarding the book of Revelation. That's what we do from our website. There are 24 articles at that website that will answer most of the confusion which exists throughout Christianity today. And again, that's what we do from this site. That's what I've done tonight once again. And if there is anyone out there who has any questions, now is the time to ask them. Ken, there are no questions on the board. However, after the program and it's reviewed by the archived recording version to their convenience, they can listen to it over and over again, but they can email you. Give us your email address where they can contact you at a moment's notice. Brooke, I would recommend going right to the website. Very it's good. Way, go to contact. You don't even have to be concerned about the email address. Just click on contact and that page will come right up for you. You enter your email address, which we shall not publish, but you will be able to write your questions no matter how short or how long it is. And we, I will get back to you in a, in a very comfortable manner. Within a 24-hour period, you can be sure. We will answer all questions, all Bible questions, any Bible topic, in some cases, we even show you the doctrines that are extant in the various churches today. Tonight's program, kind of a wrap-up of baptism in a fashion that in over two programs, one of previous to this one, and this, there should be no thought in your mind that it would be a must or still lingers in the Bible somewhere under one of those many pages where it says you must be baptized. So I wouldn't spend too much time looking for that particular passage because you won't find one, but I know those who are doubters would want to do it on their own, and that's good. That's what we encourage. That's more or less why Revelation of Revelation, a total fraud, it gets your attention, but almost in a disbelieving way, that who would come out and even think such a thing? Well, if you are truly seeking the truth and the wisdom and are reading the material that is shown to you through Scripture, not Ken's material or not my honing of the words, uh, this is from Scripture. Now, the topics that we choose are mainstream religion topics, the topic of baptism uh, was brought about in a end-of-program dialogue maybe two weeks or three weeks ago, and how Ken then brought it to an actual program, and it ended up being almost two full programs. Another thing that most people, well, they know there are many different religions, but the word church and what it means and must one go to a church to fully receive the word and understand it? 
And as you said in the pews of your church, is that the church where the truth is expounded? Those who have watched television ministries over the decades since television got its start in the late 40s, 50s, 60s, in the 70s, the quite popular Robert Schuller had a vision of building a crystal cathedral. He commissioned the architect who then went ahead and built that mega church, and his television audience was massive. And just think how much it cost in the millions and millions of dollars to produce that great edifice. But what has happened to it, most people do not know. After that great television ministry that unfolded before our very eyes, it went bankrupt. Who would think that such a beautiful 35-acre landscape with all these beautiful buildings on it would go bankrupt? That's a television ministry. I wonder what Robert Schuller's thoughts were when he died just a few years ago, if it is a full few years ago, what he must have thought, how grandiose it was for those few decades, and then it all was sold for a fraction of what its total value was. Most people, including myself and to our research, did, did not know what happened to the cathedral because Robert Schuller's son, I believe it's Bob, Bob Schuller, is it Bobby, is it? Uh, he continues in his father's footsteps in preaching, however, not the cathedral. It's in a different location. But what happened to that grand edifice and who purchased it? You might be interested if you research. You wouldn't uh, have an idea who it would be, so let me just say it was Catholics. And there was uh, much controversy of the wealth of uh, the Catholic uh, diocese and spending such kind of money. And, you know, it wasn't set up to be proper to preach the Catholic religion from its structure as it was. They had to figure out where this went, that went. They're still doing that. And I think in the year 2016, I think this is 2016, they probably are getting ready to get it right now. But this is... uh, there's scripture that says, before, help me out here, Ken, before, uh, um, in other words, all kings, no matter how mighty they were, they they, they do fall. Kings do, uh, what king, the Messiah asks, goes to war without first counting the cost. But the scriptures that come to my mind regarding Robert Shuler's big work was by their fruits, you shall know them. There was a time when he had much fruit, and all the fruit was gone. Just yes, and if, if it was a true church, or if yours is a true church, do you struggle? It seems that all always are asking for money. If a church was necessary to be taught the word, don't you think that there would be a church that really excelled if it was behind God's will? That's right. Have the church, um, not even begin to be questioned. You would know it. 
but it's not there. So wherever two or three are gathered in his name, that is a church. That's it. Could it. be a street corner, could be at the coffee shop, it could be in a home, it just could be on the telephone. It's just amazing how we try to can use the word convolute the understanding of baptism or any other traditions of men that have been put in scripture and should not be there. So this is just another topic that uh, might create some interest in your own church. I know local churches in the community, they are down to a small percentage of their original congregations. The people have dispersed. They're not coming back. I have been challenged in this community to swell the numbers of the people who attend church. (laughs) Yes, that challenge went out to me just last week. And I said, if there was a way that the numbers could be swelled, it would not be to any one particular church, but to all uh, churches, because you all need it. However, it was kind of bantering back and forth in that concept. If a power was given to a person to swell the numbers of a edifice, to show favoritism of this really must be the church. Many churches today that do have growing numbers do cater to the children because that's their uh, that's their audience of tomorrow. And they swell too, but they go by the wayside. People split. They faction. They don't believe this, but they believe this, so we'll go out and we'll start our own. Common sense, people, me included, why didn't I see that on the tip of my nose growing up? If there was only one right church, why are there thousands? My community might have seven, and you wonder, well, which one of them? And before you know it, there's eight, because one went and branched off, took half the congregation, and now they suffer. They need to charge more upkeep for the building. It's just a vicious cycle. Well, they don't need any of that at all. But I do understand the social. So just call it a social gathering. Uh, They have to have the word religion in it. They have to have baptism. They have to have structure that their daddies taught them and that that their preachers before were told by the college they went to to get their degree so they could preach what they were preached to. It's just a vicious cycle, and it's always been a confusion. It's called following tradition, Brooke. That is what it is. And we're going to follow on out of here now because tradition is the program is over for this evening and the message. But uh, join in with us again in our next scheduled episode for another topic that you might find answers your additional questions you might have. And until we welcome you into the next episode, we bid you good night and thank you for joining us on this episode of Revelation of Revelation. You've 
worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply.